Good afternoon and welcome to another time for us to be together and talk about all these classic Hollywood movies. It's time for How Betty Davis Saved My Life, Life Lessons from Classic Hollywood. I'm Moya. And I'm Georgia. And we have we got our audio issues as good as they're going to get, so we might have a little delay. I do apologize. I am getting over a sinus slash allergy attack. So if you hear me dip out of the conversation and... George already knows what's going, you know, we're professionals here, so George will just keep going. So if you hear <coughs> a little awkwardness, 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 I can't say that word, I, you know, I never said that word a lot. But anyway, if you hear a little awkwardness um, in our pacing and our rapport, that's what's going on. Um, I have to blow my nose, or I'm choking to death. So anyway, please forgive us for that. But anyway, Georgia, so this week coming up, it is the Queen's birthday, y'all. Not, well, not the Queen that just passed. But anyway, the Queen of Hollywood, the Queen of our cinematic hearts, Miss Betty Davis. It is her birthday this week, April the 5th. So you know you better give it up to her. All you cinephiles, y'all better give it up to her. It's April, April. Look, we're declaring it her month. I don't care if it's just the 5th. So it is her birthday. So Georgia, what is our movie? The Catered Affair from yes. 1956. Yes. This is a must for all Betty Davis fans. It actually reported that this movie was her proudest effort. Really? And can you believe this is an amazing role for her? Yes. Hmm. I read that numerous times when I was researching the movie. And she plays really against type because we're so used to seeing Betty Davis in these roles where she plays a character who's larger than life. I mean, she had uh, just come off, I mean, six years earlier, she'd done All About Eve. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you think of her as Elizabeth I in movies like uh, Elizabeth and Essex. Right. Uh, playing the Virgin Queen, Elizabeth I. And she had just done the, she'd done the star before this one. She goes on to play a librarian in, um, there's like a storm, some movie with a storm in the title. Yeah, I, I can't that. think of it right now. She goes on to yeah. do, yes, and we got to do that sometime. Yes, that's a wonderful anyway, movie. she plays this very frumpy, she, uh, yeah, we got to do that. Uh, we, she plays this frumpy, dowdy character, um, and at the time she does this movie, she's only 48. What? And her co-star, Ernest Borgnine, was 39. But from when she did All About Eve, she looks to me about 15 years older. I mean, this is a Betty you're yeah. not used to seeing. She looks a little heavier. Yeah. And she just, she's wearing a, just an awful wig in this yeah. movie, too. It's a real rat. <laughs> so, so she, and man, this really makes you appreciate her as an actress when you see how she can do the, the this amazing span of roles this woman is capable of doing and she really brings it she's so convincing in it and they really well in my opinion um, now i'm gonna no i was just about to comment on the bronx a accent um because it's set in new york 
and you know sometimes people overdo it i thought they i thought they nailed it I, i'm not from new york so anybody from new york let us know on our facebook page of the same name how betty davis saved saved my life um but yeah I, the accents they didn't slip up once and now she had an irish brother which was funny you know I, uh, but we'll get into that later <laughs> yeah well you know um this movie was made at a time when uh, the 1950s TV industry was attracting some very fresh, stimulating writing talent, such as uh, the person who did the screenplay for this. Mm -hmm. His name is Gore Vidal. That's and right. And you also had, besides Gore Vidal, you had Rod Serving and you had Patty Chayefsky. Heavy and hitters. Patty Chayefsky, heavy hitters. Um, did the TV. Yes, he did the TV version of it that was shown on TV first oh, before Gore Vidal took it and adapted it into a movie. <coughs> yeah. Yeah, so this, you've got so much talent here. In addition to the film score was done by Andre Previn. Mm. Uh, the director was Richard Brooks. Richard Brooks had also done for Jungle okay. or Jim in Cold Blood and Elmer Gantry. Oh, so I he's, love he's all of those very movies. Heavy hitter. Oh, this, oh, those are just classics. Yes, indeed. So this is telling you how this was such, and this was um, an, an MGM production, which is normally known for these very glossy pictures. And this right. one is like the opposite, very, very harsh, gritty, and real. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> now, you have to always, you have to also frame it. Uh, I'm going to do this a lot through Betty Davis's lens here, but she always considered the 50s her dark years. This was the decade she was married to Gary Merrill. Um, and she started off really well because the decade began with All About Eve. She also did Payment on Demand and then The Star. The first and third movies led to, an, led to Oscar nominations, but she made a few mistakes. She turned down Come Back Little Sheba, mm. and she also accepted doing Another Man's Poison. Uh, but it wasn't until she did whatever happened to baby Jane, mm -hmm. that audience and critics uh, renewed their interest in her in this fantabulous star and saw, man, this woman is still bringing it. Now even though she's at this point in her life, she's 40 years old. Now that's a life lesson there because how you have to hold on and believe in, you know, people say, Oh, believe in yourself. Some of y'all don't need to believe in yourself. Cause you know, you average. But when you like Betty Davis is, you know, and, it, and even look, even the pros, even the giants, the Titans, even they, you know, had valleys and lack self-confidence, but you have to hold on. You know, you have, you have to hold on and look, look, are we still talking about Betty today? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes. Betty will never go out of style. I mean, never. she is just an all-time great. You, absolutely, she's the queen, and she's she still is the queen. Um, I thought I would go into the plot so you can understand where this movie is, and it's a very simple plot, though. Okay, uh, this is about like Moya said, a family in the Bronx in the 1950s. They're Irish, and they live in a small, cramped apartment. Um. Their daughter, played by Debbie Reynolds, more on her later, uh, is going to get married. And she wants 
just a very simple little wedding. But Betty Davis, for reasons that will come out during the movie, has decided she wants to give her daughter this lovely, beautiful, lavish wedding. Mm -hmm. And so all the drama ensues there. <laughs> and it gets complicated. And for anybody who has planned a wedding or is about to plan a wedding, you really need to see this movie. Yes. I, 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 <laughs> had, really I, I can't remember if I saw it before or after my wedding. But when I looked at it again, I was so embarrassed. I had a Godzilla wedding. It was I I I became a bridezilla <laughs> at some point. But my wedding was ridiculous. I I, I, may, I might talk about it later. I'm so embarrassed because it just got out of control. But but I digress. Go ahead, on George. Okay. Uh, boy, I didn't know that. Boy, true confessions here. It, it, I, it was, but, you know, it was ridiculous. Back on it and say, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, that was, I made it memorable and it was fun. Do you look back on it now? And if at any moment he would have said, you know what, I can't do this because you just lose, you've lost your mind, he'd have been totally, totally justified in saying that. All I'm going to say, Georgia, because we it literally was the same plot. We just wanted to have a small to-do, as they say in there in the movie. But then you said, you got to invite this one, you got to invite that one, because our families are extremely messy. And so it grew into this. Girl, it was just ridiculous. All I'm going to say, Georgia, the brides, between the bridesmaids and the groomsmen, it was in the double digits of, and, and, and counting... Let me just say this. We had three that I can remember. Three freaking ring bearers and three freaking flower girls. That's that's stupid. That is insane. And spent money <clears throat> that shouldn't have been spent. I'll just say that. So it was ridiculous. But go ahead. That's enough about me. <laughs> Look at Georgia's wow. face. Y'all should see well, Georgia's I'm face. I'm going to give you a little bit of background <laughs> Wow. Yeah, I know. I'm like, wow. <laughs> okay. Um, now, this movie has, I think, to me, a revelation in Debbie Reynolds, because I had always thought of Debbie Reynolds as this right. uh, figure in the physicals and comedies, this sis boom ball, like right. over the top, right. super energetic actress. And then when she did the I was real. Yes, I was shocked at how beautifully she played this role. It was understated. It was poignant. Right. Oh, my God. She did great. She did a beautiful oh, job. I was impressed with her in this movie. And I have to say, uh, I'm sorry, what was that, William? No, I just said she did a beautiful job. Um. Oh, yeah, she did. And, and, of, and of course, Ernest Borgnine, he does his... Yes. Oh, he, he does this so well. I, I, and he just, the year previous, he just got an Academy Award for Best Actor in Marty. And so this is his first film after that. Now, wasn't he nominated so he for this, this role? I think he was nominated no, for this as well. He wasn't? As far as I, no, he wasn't. Oh, I thought he was. Okay. No, my, well, he might have been, but my research didn't uh, show that. Okay. Um, but Debbie Reynolds did get, she got, um, not an Oscar nomination, but she got another, uh, acting award, but she got, um, 
She was the only actor to win an award for the film from Ooh. the National Board of Review for Best Supporting Actress. Oh, so, yeah, wow. she was the only one recognized, which is a shame. Yeah. I thought these uh, performances were, especially from Betty Davis and Ernest Borgnine, I thought they were worthy of Academy Award nominations. I thought they truly were. Absolutely. <laughs> They're that good. Um, and, you know, Debbie Reynolds and Ernest Borgnine became lifelong friends with Betty Davis after doing this movie. They all got along so famously and, and admired each other so much. Okay. Which I thought it was kind of cool that yeah. that happened. Yeah, because, you know, Betty is notorious um, for not, no. not making friends, you know, or she had a lot of friends. But, you know, you know, she she is Betty Davis. She could be like in her words, she was difficult when people weren't professional. And when she didn't like you, she didn't dig you. She did not hide it. So, you know, it was it was cut and dry with her. So for her to make and I, I do know that her and Debbie were friends, but I didn't know about her and Borgnine. Cool. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Debbie Reynolds, uh, at 24 years old when she was making this film, she said in her memoirs that she hated making the film for personal reasons. And she said she liked the result. And she said uh, Richard Brooks directed her well, but the director made it difficult for her and gave her a hard time. In fact, he called her Little Miss Hollywood and he made no... <laughs> attempt to hide his disdain for her she said and he she said every day he was he was rude to her and once he even slapped her across the face in front of everyone oh, she said no. she didn't know what she'd done to anger him that time because she was yeah yes so this movie for her despite the fact that she is just a very uh caring sweet person that comes across this movie torn between her mom and dad yeah. which i thought she played extremely well richard Brooks just gave her a, a horrible time. Wow, really did. Amazing. Girl, have, have times yeah. have changed. <laughs> I, I felt so bad when I heard that. Wow. Yes. Yes, they have. Um, and, you know, this movie was made at a time when a kiss could only last four seconds. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't show a married couple together in the same bed. So mm -hmm. you have to really know how this movie is like kind of a bridge here because they're mm -hmm. showing a lot of very gritty realism in this movie. Yeah. They're showing a marriage up close and a family. It's a lot of close-ups. You almost feel like part of the family you because do. you are so much into their daily and their issues. And I think that Richard Brooks did capture that aspect of it very Absolutely. well. Um. One of the other things that I wanted to bring out about this movie is it requires a lot of introspection. When yes. you see this movie, it's going to really make you think because Betty Davis's character goes through the most change, more change than anybody else yep. is portrayed here. Uh, you know, because we, I think at some point, all of us do this. You know, we wonder, you know, where we got where we are. You think about like where your youth is gone. Yeah. Uh, especially some people become bored with their lives, with right. their mate. Right. You see that happening to people. And that's one of the things that you see in this movie. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Betty Davis's mannerisms in this movie just really struck me. She, she did this so well, the way she portrays her character, even when she's not talking, because, you know, I didn't know if they were part of the script or if they were right. improvised. But I don't think you can teach acting like it. it's brilliant because 
she is so convincing. Right. She has these little, there she's, she's got these guests at her house. She takes this fish out of the oven. You see her buy it from the market mm -hmm. and like put this and put this move this together. And just as she's taking it out of the oven, you see her like genuflect, make the yeah. and then she, kinda, like, <laughs> she kind of touches and fixes his hair. Like, like, oh, I hope this fish turned out right. right. She's just seeing a very private moment. Oh my, did you see that? Yes. Sometimes like with the, the stuff that she will do. It wasn't a caricature. It could have, it could have, Easily turn into a caricature because she put on a lot of weight for this and she it was nothing glamorous at all. So she could have totally played a caricature of a Bronx housewife, if you will, but it, it was not. And like you said, the way Brooke shot it and the pacing was perfect. It was like you were a part of the family. It, it drew you in. Oh, yeah, you know, but she's a master in any role she's been in. Mm -hmm. But I thought this was so real. So I thought, I know people like this, or you yeah. feel like you, you know them. Right. It, it was amazing. It, it, I, I was just really stunned at how well they did that movie. Um, and, you know, and, I, and also Ernest Borgnum. Oh, I'm sorry, Maury, did you want to say something else? Yeah, just real quick. So those of you who remember the 70s, TV classic Good Times. Um, it was the black family living in the Chicago Cabrini Green uh, projects. It's giving you the Good Times vibe. So believe it or not, a kid affair is Good Times before Good Times. It's almost eerily similar. James Evans, the patriarch of the family, he drew, drove a cat. He was a hustler trying to make it. Um, <coughs> the, the relationship between him and Florida Evans, the matriarch, <coughs> was a little bit more loving and such. But if you don't, and I, and yeah, I'm gonna get a little political erasure here, because I love, and it's gonna sound funny, when they show other races struggling, because that's real. No one has a monopoly on bad times, like no one has a monopoly on good times. So this movie was honest about people in America and it had nothing to do with your race struggling and trying to make ends meet and trying to keep their family together. You know, you all, you, you would think that it only, only black people struggle back then as a far now or this race or that race. So I'm glad when they show movies and it, like I said, none of this was a caricature. You felt like you were in this movie, just watching it play out <clears throat> that it showed that trouble and poverty it comes for everybody. Worry and anxiety. Those things don't discriminate. That You like diversity where trouble and poverty is it, it is very diverse. So go ahead on, Georgia. I couldn't agree with you more, Moya. It just touches, it's across just so many different kinds of ethnic groups and, and ages and, yeah, countries, no matter where you are. That, right. Yes, you're right. It touches people. And that's, a, I thought that was, I'm so glad that they portrayed that because mm -hmm. it's very relatable. To it's a lot very of relatable. Um, well, you know, Ernest Borgnine to me is such a treasure because <laughs> I always got the impression that he's a very highly intelligent and, and he's so good at playing these very stolid 
and determined roles. Yeah, he can play anything. And there was a couple of scenes where <coughs> my heart was about to break for him. Yeah, yeah. Poor dad. <laughs> you know? Poor dad. Dad was getting railroaded again. Yeah. <laughs> I felt that way. Oh, yes. And dads can relate. Um, this is a good Father's Day and Mother's Day movie if you if you wanted to to do that of around that theme that ho those holidays. Yeah. Oh, that would be an excellent idea. Yeah, because I think in this for this movie, Father of the Bride is just like kind of a to me it's comedic, but it doesn't really have a big message. Right. This one really does. Right. I mean, you've got Eddie Davis's mother bride, and they try to make her as a as a mother of the bridezilla. But <laughs> you know, you can see, you can understand Betty's point of view in many ways, even though you may not agree, maybe right. not, but you can see where she's from. Yeah. Um. You know, she's trying to like make up for. Like, she's had a hard knock life, and so she wants to put a little glamour in it, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, right. and she wants to do, she wants to do something nice for her daughter, and, and so, yeah, I mean, there's other forces that come to bear, and as you watch the movie, you'll see all those things that really go into it. And I don't want to spoil it for you, but I have to say, this is one of those movies where you take a look at yourself, you take a look at the character and it makes you think about yourself just like the character is yes. doing. Yes. And um, I think that's real reasons this movie is an important, must-see movie because it's not just a movie that you forget about the next day after you watch right. it. Oh, no. Right. It, yeah. And, you know, and if I had to get to the part about life lessons, Moya, gosh, you know, to me, I thought... Um, Gosh, you know, a lot of people can have a drab life if you choose, if you, but everyone should see their opportunities for a more fulfilling life. And the question this to all of us is, will each person take the opportunities that are out there? Will mm -hmm. you take them? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that when it comes to marriages, you know, no matter where you are, you need to value each other and begin again, wherever you are. And it's not the wedding day itself. It's your marriage every day thereafter. And I think that's what the mother's trying to tell her daughter. You mm -hmm. know, it's not always a joy ride. <laughs> yeah. Well, honey, she sure made that very clear. So, you know, Debbie is a couple of days before Debbie, Debbie's character is supposed to get married. And, you know, uh, Betty tries to have not the talk, but a talk with some of the talk mixed in it. Georgia, what did you think about her speech about what marriage was? Did you think she, what, what kind of picture did she paint? Did she, you know, had you been Debbie Reynolds' character, <clears throat> would you have run out, the, run out the room screaming and call your soon-to-be betrothed and said, heck no, or, or, you know, or would you have handled it like Debbie Reynolds' character? <clears throat> I would have hoped I would have handled it like Debbie Reynolds' character because I felt unlike um, Aggie and Tom, I felt like Debbie Reynolds and Rod Taylor were very much in love and mm -hmm. they were such a very convincing pairing yeah. about that. And then plus he had a job as 
where I thought that they wouldn't have to struggle quite so much financially because this movie really shows you what it's like to have this gnawing hardship every day of your life. And Betty Davis comes to a place where um, she's used to a marriage of sacrifices and hard work. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, all of, all of Betty Davis's, her character, Aggie, all of her lost illusions and her dreams and her hopes and aspirations, they're all coming back to her, what she wanted Mm -hmm. and that she didn't get. And she and her dreams have pretty much disappeared. So she's Did trying she to have any dreams, but that's the only thing. I don't have any beef with this picture at all. But I, I, she never said what her dreams were. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like, what dreams and aspirations? Um, and well, we don't want to give away too much. She, she felt like she was that when Borgnine's character, um, when um Tom married her, he married her. Uh, it wasn't genuine. I don't want to give away too much. He married her for money. Let me just say for for her dowry. Okay, you know back then people did that, and I kind of was getting a little perturbed with her. And I'm glad Borgnine's character Tom stuck up for himself. And please look at the movie because a lot of times in Hollywood and spread, you know. The man does not get a chance to speak up and he just takes the beating, takes the pe- beating, takes the drumming and just, you know, goes on or goes off and goes off physically or go, you know, and leaves or goes off and, you know, goes nuts, you know. Um, but he did stand up for himself and, and, and I really appreciated that being written into the story. But and, and that's another thing I couldn't understand. Why the hell you didn't go get a job, ma'am? If y'all that broke. There's no way I would have let my man or my kids, if I felt some kind of way about it. Now, we don't know if Tom didn't want her to work. He didn't come off to me as that type of guy. But you go get a job, oh, baby, and put a, throw a few coins in a till, if you will. You know what? You see what I'm saying, George? I, I kind of, now, I don't know if that's my modern way of thinking, but I, I kind of said, you know, I, I didn't feel very sympathetic towards um, Aggie in that regard, in that regard. Yeah, I, I felt that way too. I guess she felt that, you know, running the home was just, it took up so much of what she could contribute, you know, that uh, she didn't even consider an outside job. But I kind of thought that too, because the daughter's working. Yeah, she, she had to work to, cause so. you know, she couldn't go to school. She had to go to work and her, the children, she didn't have I, any little kids. So she could have easily gotten a job. Everybody worked in that house. I don't know about the uncle. I think he just chilled. <laughs> but everybody worked in that house except her. <laughs> um, and didn't you love the uncle, girl? He was so... I wanted to strangle him a couple of times. But but it was so realistic. These characters were so true to life. I, I loved it. Oh, Moya, I did too. Yeah, they were. Um, and, you know, that was Barry Fitzgerald's, I think, last great role that he did in this movie. Okay. And, and although he plays the same character, he's yeah, he kind does. Of, you know, <laughs> irritated, but he's always lovable, you know, no matter yeah. you know, no matter what. Yeah, yeah. Because he played a police officer <laughs> in, in, I think, a film noir, and he was really good in that. I can't remember it, but I, I think I did see that. Um. But yeah, that's that was the only thing. And I said, I know I'm probably looking at it through my modern eyes, you know, 
go get you go get a job something so just a little bit of trivia i uh shout out to dr thomas soul that's uh s-o-w-e-l-l -L. he's an economist and um a researcher historian and uh him and walter and then i want to say walter williams he, he's deceased dr walter williams he's deceased another great um these are two black economists uh who don't really get enough credit they're People, people who who really study these type of things, they know who these people are, but they should really be on the same lips as Milton Friedman and um, his counterpart. But anyway, uh, I want to say it might have been Dr. Walter White, but anyway, he was talking about why people stood poor back then, even if you tried to get a hustle, something as as easy as driving a cab. So remember in the movie Georgia, the medallion that they talked about that went with the cab. That is the reason why, so in, in New York and, you know, the places, well, Uber is doing everything now. Uber and Uber killed the radio store, if you will. Um, you, you, and they would have gypsy cabs, okay? Like, not, not the medallion cabs. Um, but you had to have that medallion because any clown could have, you know, I won't say clown, but anybody could have driven a car and, you know, cab, did a cabbie. But those medallions, it was a hustle, the city of New York, you had to pay, and of course, back then it was cheaper, but uh, that medallion, that little silver thing, you ha you could not drive a cab without that. And that, and if you could not afford that medallion, you couldn't, you, you weren't going to make any money. So that car, the cost of the car was not the issue. It was that freaking medallion. And Walter White talked about how cities like New York and other cities, how they through these type of hustles, if you will, keep the average and a poor man down with this grifting as a grift because the medallion didn't increase the value of the car and make the car run smoother, but you, it was palm greasy. So I just wanted to bring that little bit of trivia in. And of course, now you have Uber and Lyft and all that. And there's, you know, the cabbies, cabbies tried to fight that in New York. And Uber was like, you know, hey, man, what about y'all? What y'all hustle with these medallions? So, you know, that's how I kind of learned about all that stuff. But I, I, that's a little bit of trivia. Georgia, we're, we're running out of time. Is there anything else you want to... I could I could talk about this movie for hours, but is there anything else you want to talk about? Well, I just wanted to say that, you know, that with the spotlight on Betty, I, I, that woman can just play anything and make right. it believable. Gosh, what an actress. We are so lucky she fought to be so prolific. Absolutely. Uh, yes. you know, I, I had never seen this movie and I thought, oh my gosh, I'm so glad I'm seeing it now that I'm this at this age right. where I can truly appreciate, you know, all the messaging that's in here. And like, because it's, this is not like some white little like, uh -huh, you know, I'm just going to like watch it for no, it's, yeah. and grins. No, no it's not for the, the bride or anything like really, that. No. Yeah, I mean, it's about reality. Yeah. And I, I loved it that it was done as well as it, it was done. It was still done respect, respectfully yes. to all the characters. Yes. And um, I, but, you know, not everybody is a Kardashian out there. Right. And I love <laughs> Let us see a glimpse into this. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> And Betty's so brave to like look the way she did, but man, did she bring it! Oh, she like I said, it was is not a character. And just one final thing, because I I kind of had this with my mom, how parents, 
and I don't have any kids, so I ain't giving no parental advice, but I was a kid and how parents can put pressure on kids projecting their own hopes and anxieties on kids and you saw Debbie Reynolds. That's why whatever little, whatever award she got, she deserved it. How this, how it had a ripple effect. It gave her anxiety. Good thing. And, and I love men were so strong. This was an excellent presentation, a representation of men being strong, being manly. Because her, her fiance, uh, Rod's character, um, he was, uh, I mean, he loved her, but he let her know, you driving me crazy, you and your mom. Y'all driving me crazy, but I love you and we go, I'm going to do this for you. And I was like, oh, bro, don't do that because you're setting a precedent for letting these people rail. Because, Lord, when you have kids, they're going to railroad you again. But I love how they were starting off on the right foot. We're a team. We're going to work together and we're going to do what's best for us. And they came up with that. But yeah, parents, you know, you put that pressure on a kid. Maybe that kid doesn't want to be a, do a doctor or a lawyer or, or, you know, whatever. Maybe that kid just want to bake cupcakes or whatever the heck that kids want to do, you know, be a poet or paint. I have no idea. But, you know, like I said, I went through that with my mom. You know, check yourself. Am I doing what's best for my child or am I doing what's, makes, what's easier for me and makes me feel good? Please check that because I'm telling you, you are, you are putting that pressure on that kid and it's going to backfire and blow up in a bad way. And just real quick, ooh, the friend, everyone could act in this movie. Her friend who was supposed to be the bridemaid, girl, I, oh my gosh, I almost, I could have cried. You know, it's really show white people being poor like that. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm not saying that to be mean, but outside of the depression era movies, you know, moving forward, they weren't showing white people struggling like this, you know, and it was just, you know, wow, you know, I, I, and I know this exists. I'm not, you know, naive, but they, the portrayal of it in Hollywood was not as prevalent as it was in this. And so the poor friend who tried to be in a wedding and I, and this happened to me. So that's why George, I felt so guilty looking at this movie <laughs> when I got married with my foolishness. I felt so bad. But that's all I got. <laughs> a catered affair. We saw it free on YouTube, by the oh. way. Yes, I saw it free on YouTube also. Sorry, um, I don't, I don't feel channel. bad about that. Sure. <laughs> um, thank you, everybody, for joining Moy and I on this latest trip uh, down memory lane for us and also... A movie great Betty Davis celebrating her birthday yes. on April the fifth. Yes. Make, yeah. Make sure you catch us on uh, Google, uh, what is Apple, Spotify, also on iHeartRadio. Yes. And tell your friends. Tell your friends. Um. What about what? What's our next movie? So this by the time this airs, Betty's birthday will have passed. But what are our next movies, Georgia? We're gonna do. Close Encounters of the Third Kind with our first foray into science fiction. Absolutely. We're also going to do Pretty Woman and Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing, yes. And then um, that'll move us into May. Coming up, on, um, we're planning to do In the Heat of the Night, the groundbreaking In the Heat of the Night, starting none other than Mr. Virgil Tibbs himself, 
the cutest, I don't know what, Sydney Poitier and Rod, the one and only Rod Steiger. So it, for those of you who didn't know, before the great TV show, because I used to look at it, um, there was the movie. Then the TV show came years later after the movie. So there you go. Well, thank you, Georgia. And I and I am out. Guys, we will see you next time. Georgia already told you where, where we are. You can catch us. Thank you all for all your support. I'm Moya. And I'm Georgia. And we will see you next time. Thanks for listening.